Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Coming to you from the other London, let's start the show. I'm Tristan Johnson. I'm joined today by my host, Romina Adam, who's finally back from Reykjavik <laughs> yeah. and amongst other places. Oh, yeah. Where'd you go? Sweden and Denmark and Vienna, Austria. It was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good it, times. It really helps when you do medical research, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I know, we get sent all over the world for conferences. It's pretty fun. Yeah, and today we're also joined by our program's, I believe, first anthropology student. I think so. Hannah Ahmed, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Now, Hannah Ahmed is a master's student, and you are here. Where did you do your undergrad? Um, I actually did a master's in development studies in Bangladesh, Uh so this is my second master's. Um, Already. Yeah. <laughs> I know that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> I, did, I did two master's myself. All right. So the, uh, the topic of your research is uh, political violence in Bangladesh, mm-hmm. specifically between a, um, a very specific region of the area. Can you explain to us like the one paragraph story of what's going on in this region of Bangladesh? Okay, it's, um, I'm looking at the Chittagong Hill tracks in Bangladesh. So this is an area where there used to be predominantly indigenous people. But uh, during the 1970s and 80s, when the indigenous people, right after the liberation of the country, demanded for recognition in the constitution, were refused it, went into um, um, basically a revolt uh, against the government and saying that we want recognition from the government and um, it was an armed conflict and it continued for many years but a peace accord was signed by the rebels and the government unfortunately um, it did not bring peace so it's like in a post-conflict situation in the Chittagong Hill tracks how the indigenous people are dealing with the situation and actually Although the peace accord said that the military would withdraw itself, um, would no longer have such a huge presence in the Chittagong Hill tracks anymore after the peace accord, they continue to be there. And that has caused a lot of problems for indigenous people who are living there. And basically, they have been turned into minorities in their own land. So I am looking at um, what are the problems that are Uh, faced by these indigenous people uh, because of militarization in an area which is supposed to have peace. So what even got you interested in, I mean, studying political violence in Bangladesh? How did this, how did you, I know you're from Bangladesh, but was there any other driving interest? Well, uh, I actually worked as a journalist for many years at the Daily Star, which is an English uh, newspaper. And at that time, I reported about uh, events that were taking place in the Chittagong Hill Tract. So uh, there was a lot of violence, um, indigenous people's being, uh, sorry, indigenous people's houses being burned down. And I went to visit those places and saw all that myself. And then uh, actually, while I was working as a journalist, I, uh, I quit working as a journalist. And then I started working with this uh, advocacy body called the Chittagong Hill Tracks Commission. I was the coordinator of that body and I was there for five years. So basically I had, for five years, I have been monitoring the human rights violations in this place um, and how it affects indigenous people. So so to paint a picture, what part of uh, Bangladesh would this be in? 
It's in the southeastern region, so it's very close to Myanmar, mm -hmm. uh, and it uh, borders India on one side and Myanmar on one side. Okay, and I guess the next question is like, what uh, is the situation now? You've talked about this history of basically uh, invasive Bangladeshi people moving into this region, brutalizing and being extremely violent, but then this peace accord comes along and now you're saying there's like a shaky peace, but there's definitely like scars of militarization and huge demographic changes. Like what would you say are the key issues pressing right now? Well, um, right now I'm looking at uh, some of the things, uh, recent events actually, about how um, there's a renewed effort by the government to uh, uh, deny the recognition of indigenous people. So uh, if, um, if you know Bangladesh, Bangladesh is like probably 98% Bengalis. And so indigenous people are like 2%. And then it's less than 1% of indigenous people living in the Chittagong Hill tracts itself. But they are actually living on 10% of the land. And there's a huge natural resource, you know, in that area. So that is, of course, uh, of uh, a lot of concern for the government and the military. So the military have not moved out of there. And actually, one thing that I'm looking at is how the military is uh, benefiting uh, economically from uh, the Chittagong Hill Track. So now they have, like, uh, tourists... Uh, areas, resorts, who, which are controlled by the military. And, for example, the military will have to pay, uh, if you are related to someone in the military, you have to pay like one-third of the, uh, you know, room rates, and other people will have to take th pay th three times of that. And also, you know, uh, uh, it's the land that all these tourist resorts are being built up on are actually, they belong to indigenous people. And there is no history of this, uh, of how this land was actually occupied by the military. So it's basically, it's denying, it's uh, the military is taking over the land, the, their rights. Um, but at the same time, there again, for example, you will find uh, in the um, international airport, there is... Um, uh, Indigenous people are being advertised as, you know, exotic indigenous people. You come and see Bangladesh. You know, like if there's an international event, when foreigners go there, they will be advertised as, you know, exotic people of this country come and see the Chittagong Hill Track. So they are, uh, you know, profiting in a particular way uh, by having indigenous people in Bangladesh, but they are not going to be recognized as equals of Bengalis. You almost see that a little bit in, uh, like, not to the same uh, brutal extent, but like the way that Mexican government advertises like Mayan areas, and now they're encroaching with resorts into traditional Mayan lands. But I don't know how much the Mayans are actually getting um, any of the the, uh, the benefits of that. But uh, I have a, I'm curious now because. For like those like as a history person, I would just say like Bangladesh used to be part of East was called East Pakistan before, and then before that was part of the British Raj in India, and so this legacy of British colonialism is this playing a role in the 
methods of treatment or the, the way that this has been handled, or is it too far in the past? No, it's it's never too far in the past. Everything in, that happens in history has a way of manifesting on what is happening today. Mm-hmm. You know, so actually, yes, we were part of um, the greater you know Indian subcontinent, and then we divided, and we were part of Pakistan, and then we're part your Bangladesh. Um, so actually. Um, 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 yes, uh, it does play a big part because when um, when Pakistan uh, when in 1947 when the breakup actually happened, Chittagong mm-hmm. uh, Hill Tracts was almost entirely indigenous people. Like 98% of Chittagong uh, Hill Tracts was indigenous people, and they are they have a very different religion. They uh, they are not Muslims. They are non-Muslims. But the division that the British did was along the lines of uh, religion. Mm-hmm. So they gave India to mostly Hindus and Pakistan to mostly Muslims. But then CHT became part of Pakistan, which is, you know, they're not Muslim. So actually when that divide happened, one part of the CHT was thought that they would become part of India and another part of CHT thought they would become part of Myanmar. And they actually raised those flags there at that time, briefly. Mm-hmm. So that is like a very interesting. But then they were told that, no, you're part of Pakistan. And, you know, they couldn't really understand how that came about. She's all the way over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it played a part. And also uh, there's an act called the 1900 Act, which the British established for the indigenous people. And now there's a whole court case going on because actually the 1900 Act gives some recognition of customary ownership of land for indigenous people. Mm. But of course now the Bangladesh government does not want that because if they recognize customary ownership of land, then all those settlers who were brought in during the 1970s and 80s will lose their land. And they were actually brought in as an anti-insurgency strategy. So they were placed very strategically in places where, you know, the military had camps. So they worked as a protection for the military, you know. They were human shields for the military. So you can't just kick them out now. So what brought you um, actually to Western for your second master's degree? What made you want to leave Bangladesh in order to study more about Bangladesh? How did you choose? Um, well, I applied to um, other universities as well. Uh, one thing about Western I liked is that it's a two-year master's, which means and the, the research is, um, I think you have more time and more energy focusing on the research. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yes, there are coursework, just the two Uh, you know, semesters. That was one thing. Um, And uh, the work of my uh, supervisor, Dr. Randa Farah, uh, was also something that resonates very much with my work because she's actually worked with uh, refugees, uh, Palestinian refugees. And actually the whole plot, I was actually speaking to her this morning and we were talking about how Palestine, Israel, scenario is so similar mm-hmm. to the Chittagong Hill Track scenario. Mm-hmm. So 
I, that is something that you know interested me as well. And so, what do you hope to to research um, with your time here? What do you know? What your project is going to be? Uh, it's going to be uh, on militarization in the Chihuahuan tracks and um, uh, development and uh, tourism and how the military controls these two aspects of the Chittagong Hill Tracks in order to, um, you know, basically, you know, uh, um, you know, destroy the uh, movement of the indigenous people there for self, you know, some form of autonomy, some form of recognition. And so uh, for, you've been for several years an activist on uh, trying to protect these people, and also you've, you were a journalist in the region for a while. So before you've even gotten like the studies and the data and everything like that, what kind of effects are you going to, uh, are you, do you suspect you're going to find? Um, I think uh, what happened uh, for me, uh, I could see the change happening when there were all these attacks on indigenous people. Like uh, since 2008, there have been several attacks on villages in indigenous people. So there were like, in one instance in 2010, about 400 houses were burned down in the area of Sajik. And uh, Sajik is one area in the CHT. It's very, like, it's a beautiful place. It's a hilly area. It's beautiful. And so we could all tell there was something cooking up. So we knew that, you know, the military, the government had some kind of a bigger plan for this area. So they wanted, this is a for, form of, you know, forced migration. So you get the settlers to burn down houses of the indigenous people and they leave the place, they maybe take refuge in India or somewhere else and then you start doing your project there. So it could be some kind of development project, it could be tourism, and now we see that the tourism is actually taking place. So there is a lot of that going on. And are you seeing like the same uh, attempts like of demonization, like uh, the, the easiest case, that, uh, the easiest comparison I can come to is the treatment of Muslims in Myanmar and how they are also like forcing this this group to leave they're mostly going to thailand but is this a similar story here or is the context bit is uh too different um context uh i think it's similar but different at the same time and there are other issues happening in myanmar and actually what is happening in myanmar the atrocities against the muslims is also affecting what is happening in the cht so there are a lot of uh, these uh, Rohingya refugees coming into the CHT, and they are also being used because they have nowhere else to go in Bangladesh. They're not getting jobs. They, they're not even allowed to marry uh, Bengalis once they come in CH. Sorry, once they come into Bangladesh, they are also being used to carry out certain types of violence against uh, Bangladeshis uh, and also against the Chittagong Hill Tracks. So, I, I mean, this region is really, really, I won't say interesting, but it's very, um, you can see all the hands that are, you know, playing here, all the political games that are being played here, and everything is so linked. So, uh, to answer your question, yes, there are similarities, but yeah, there are also differences. If I may ask one more question, another thing is, um Bangladesh, if, as many people know, is um, one of the countries getting hit hardest by climate change and especially the rising sea levels. And I'm just thinking, so these people are, um, 
the, the Chittagong Hill tribes are being pushed out of their uh, ancestral land by Bengalis who are trying to look for more land to live on. Could it is it due to this fact that Bengali Beng, ah, Bangladesh is such a like it's such a low below sea level country and as sea levels are anticipated to rise a lot of the land of the country is anticipated to disappear. Um, well, I haven't thought of it like that, honestly, but um, even if that is a factor, that is not the factor that is playing in what uh, the government is doing there. I mean, the government wants the land, the military wants the land. There is a very, like, uh, there's the economic factors there are very strong because it's such good land, so everyone wants to exploit it in whatever way possible. Um, and they are able to do it. And you use the word demonize, which is something actually that is happening since the beginning of this year. We've seen like the home ministry having meetings with uh, uh, the military and other security forces in the Chittagong Hill tracks and trying to project the indigenous people as criminals. So they're... Uh, they actually made a rule this earlier this year saying that if a foreigner wants to go and talk to an indigenous person in the CHT, they will have to have a security person or someone from the government present during the meetings. I mean, it could be an informal meeting, like you meeting a friend in the CHT, and they would have someone present there. So it's, it's a huge discrimination and um, the government has had no justification for that and there was no reason given as to why they were taking such decisions but this is something that is definitely happening. And do you plan to have to go through that process as part of your research do you plan on going to the CHT and talking to the I, people there? Yes I do hope to go back I mean I've worked there for a long time I haven't lived there but I've been going back and forth there so I know a lot of people there I know a lot of the activists there and of course part of my research I hope to be able to uh, talk to the people there and see what are the recent changes that are taking place. So have these activism groups um, have they been able to make a difference in stopping the military from driving these people out of their their tribes? I'm afraid not. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of activism, and we've been reporting these things to the um, uh, UN. There's a every year there's a UN um, uh, uh, a forum for Indigenous people in May every year, and we've been reporting to uh, all the bodies that are related to human rights. But I'm afraid there has not been any change. That's so unfortunate. Farad has one last question before we um, say goodbye. This is obviously a really important issue. There's probably a lot of people moved by this podcast or else they have no hearts, as I assume. Um, if somebody wanted to learn more to get involved, what should they do? Uh, to understand what? If someone wanted to learn more to get involved, like to help, what should they do? Um, well, there are a lot of um, uh, groups that are working on But I think the basic thing is to learn more first and then... I think different people have different ways of helping. So I think uh, the first part would be to like go online or get books that you know go through the history of uh, the Chittagong Hill tracks and what is happening now and look at all the 
media reports about what is going on. There are various ways to help. And it's not always that you just pour money in and that helps people. It doesn't. It actually, it needs more concerted efforts. I think, I think even in this university, if we are able to organize talks and get groups involved, maybe have a group uh, who are concerned about indigenous people to, you know, brainstorm about how to do, how to help, I think. Well, thank you very much, Hanama. We've given us a lot to think about. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That's all we got for this week. If you like this episode, share it with someone. Check us all out on Twitter and Facebook. Both you can find through Gradcast Radio. You can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca. And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin McLeod, and we will see you guys next time.